Welcome to another episode of the OC154 podcast, our first one for 2022. In this episode, we introduce you to our friend, GT, who is now part of the podcast. He is as much passionate about radio as H and myself. In fact, between the three of us, he has had more opportunities to be on air than the two of us, for better or worse, I guess. He's a petty guy from Limpopo, but he's now based in Cape Town, working and fed up in his studies. Okay, this is an understatement. He's doing his PhD, okay? This episode starts off by H jokingly warning him against dating the Koza woman, or Koza daughters, as our friends refer to them these days. They're in Cape Town. Or maybe H was not even joking. I don't know. This opens up an interesting conversation about the intertribal dating and marriage. H recently got married to a vendor lady, and GT and I are convinced that it was a conscious decision by him to marry someone from his tribe. The conversation then quickly offers into how South African ladies are not impressed with the many guys and the close relationships they maintain with their mothers, bomma as they call them, which GT tries to defend. The conversation then naturally progresses towards finding out how is our newly married friend H finding marriage. I think by now you're getting used to H. His answer is nothing like what you'll hear from the naked DJ on Ask Your Man. Let me just say, Mojola has never sounded this philosophical before. Thereafter, H provides a much needed segue into our first topic of the day, females in sports broadcasting. The topic comes after an episode of the Unclipped with Ted's Gonzo that we watched on YouTube, where he sat down with the three queens of sports broadcasting in the country. This conversation takes different twists and turns, including the discussion of the inclination by different genders towards different career fields, men and women relations, how our respective human experiences shape our outlook of life, and other related topics. From this discussion about how evolutionary biology may have influenced the number of females who are interested in sports versus men, H then draws an analogy between the way evolution can influence the decision-making process of people and the failures of the ANC government as a liberation movement and their complacency when the struggle was finally over. I know this kind of an analogy may sound like a bit of a stretch, but it worked somehow. He then closes off his argument with a rather half-empty glass conclusion, which he uses various claims to support. H's argument and what may seem to many like pessimism, are interwoven with the theories of the famous French political philosopher Franz Fanon around what he refers to as national consciousness. You can check out Audiobook Master's essay channel on YouTube where you can get to hear H expanding on this kind of ideas. And later in the recording, you will hear our conversation rudely interluded by the soundtrack. This was my best attempt at disguising the fact that H's power got cut mid-sentence due to load shading. I mean, in this country, you cannot make things like this up. Yes, I know, we do sometimes struggle for some really opportune segues in our conversations, but a power cut to transit us to talk about load shading is not my idea of a good segue. In any case, GT and myself is the opportunity to talk about ESCOM and load shading. GT makes an argument based on an accusation made recently by Julius Malema about the deliberate attempts by the ANC government 
to destroy ESCOM in order to be able to sell off the company to private ownership, which is an argument that is gaining some serious momentum in the country. Although I do not totally disagree with the possibility of this being the case, I challenge GT and many others who share these sentiments to consider whether the failures of the ANC may be purely due to their incompetence. Lastly, I did some fact-checking and research on some of the claims that were made during the episode, but I feel like they would make the introduction too long for my liking. So please be on the lookout for some kind of a supplementary episode to this one. But for now, enjoy episode 4. our forefathers were destroyed when they were going to, to, to mine. And now are you consciously deciding to marry a vendor person? Because you're asking yeah. about it, it's just like, if there's anyone that we knew was going to marry a vendor person, definitely a H. Were you conscious about it? No, not very much so. Pella, she's the only would have married a Zulu woman, bro. I don't know if I would have married any other woman that I met, to be fair. I don't know. Yeah. But 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 age, come on, you were open minded before. It's just yeah. that as you as you as you were growing, then you realized you no, know, in actual fact there's there's a bit of convenience in you know home ground and you know Yeah, you, they choose better than they choose better than they are. No, but I don't think it was that conscious. Just that really then, you, you know we were so convinced that it must have been conscious. Nah. When we, I don't well, know. I've never dated any other one who's vendor but her. And the first one you date, you exactly. married. Yeah. Well, like, maybe I haven't dated anyone. Exactly. Ah, yeah, you see now. Yeah, you see. And we can't dive into that conversation, but we're open or no, we're not going but not for nothing. That's why we were so convinced that uh, this man is gonna is gonna uh, home ground this one. No, it was Maybe not conscious. Definitely subconscious. I'd say. Yeah. You think? Yeah, it was. It's, it's always part of the things, man. Pella, come on, you know. So do you when the when you team, do you take anyone outside uh, your tribe? Yeah, anyone who is from Limpopo is welcome at home. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but the rest of the country is not happy, Speedy Man. I don't know if they're, they're <laughs> there's, a, there's a cry from everyone else about the man Babomma. No, the man Babomma is not a lot of people. You know, and that's just how it's going to be. And yeah. that also, you must remember that you know, being one hour mother, it means worry, Joe, you'll be able to say, yeah, we're a woman. Because mm. when you're driving back man, from the wedding, mm. so there's a different vibe, you can tell you, you're still in band, you're still in particular. Once you enter Polokwan, and yeah. changes, you can enter, I'm entering the land of Boma here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like they thought they say man who could tell like okay we still in the same province but yeah. now we're in Polokwane. Now, now you're yeah. in Polokwane and this is the land Molongoro. driving back to Joburg, Bomma cook, big damn yana cookies for But the thing is you could you know you know what I would say it's immediately when you enter Limpopo we have the same thing you know it's 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 all about that and i think as much as regularly get about shop even now we make a bid but that thing has extended to mavenda extended ah no no so vendors vendors do go home as well but they go home to help to build their families houses not to collect tapaways for to take it back go on the weekends when they're driving back to as when i convoy of gp number plates all the way But you know the purpose was different. Others are coming back with lower bank accounts. Others are coming back with captains full of food, man. New, man. The vibe. I mean, when you enter, look at me like this vibe is different. Man. Yeah. This vibe is different, man. Yeah, like no, 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 man. But I, I feel like it's just the same. All of us, all of us, we care about who we, 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 reverigala, I, varishmela, I, ani, all of us. So it's sure. It's just on everything. It's mm. different, man. Ah, it's different. Trust me. No, no, I thought it was a stereotype as well. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a true stereotype. No, I, I witnessed it. You feel like it. you don't love your mother the way you love your mother, man. No, it. I think. We, we, I want you to see the funeral policies and life insurances. Who who are the beneficiaries there? I would like to see married niggas, man. I want to see you. It's the mothers. <laughs> Yeah, I think the mother, the mother then will decide if the wives qualify. And 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 you know what? Funny, funny enough, that th- that thing is actually quite huge in in Limpopo. That and if if like as gents, we're not aware of it. It it divides families because now should you get sick or you die as a gent, then your mother steps in or your sister yeah. steps in and yeah. you know she's going to say hey everything that was owned by my brother has to come to me or, or they even blame the wife for murder renew yeah, so even blame the wife for murder should anything happen immediately when but i think also it it, it cuts across the country man or immediately when you get married should the the boy die first the wife is the one to blame which shows the marriage one of the things we used to hear about marriage as as they are or it all or you feel like it all depends who you marry it and how you want to set up your own he is he's having a good time man he's having a nice time now <laughs> <laughs> nah, i think it's marriage is very personal man like i don't know why it's made to be universal because we are not the same right mm, mm. it's the same thing but it's with different people in every marriage Like, so But do you think there's still the universal? There's still elements of that. Yes, your person is different from everyone else, but there's still like what you'd have seen with your parents, what you'd have sure. seen with other when you're being just the the, the trend. And don't you think that? Yeah, it's like there's those things. Like the same way we are all human beings. There's certain things that men do and women do, that kind of thing. But I mean, like mm-hmm. communication is 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 like probably primary in everything, right? But if you've got a person who can't communicate or has got different communication channels, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a different experience yeah, from sure. a place where people have got good communication or whatever baggage I come with into the marriage. If I'm not aware of it, it's gonna. So I think it's very there's universal aspects to it, but the universal aspects sort of like go away 
depending on the individuality of the people involved. So I think you don't very want much to grab the, a pen the, and, the, and a book to take notes, Mcha. The individuality involved. Like you realize more and more. That's the first one. But then even as men, even though there's three of us now on the call, we are not the same. Sure. Which is probably a segue to to the ladies of sports broadcasting. I was trying to stick it to that. I was, I was scrubbing down for a segway, Chana. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And on that, do you think then, across board then, in terms of, like you say, the ladies in sport, do you think then the, in broadcasting, the ladies are different? If without ladies, there would be a certain aspect of broadcasting that's missing by virtue of them being ladies, or it's just a matter of, we're all different. Anyone could be different anyway. I don't know if I'm making sense. Like, is it a, a factor of gender or we are different anyway, then a gender thing shouldn't matter to start with because everyone is bringing a different aspect anyway. Like the whole conversation of diversity. And we just inherently diverse to begin with that it shouldn't matter what your identity traits or your, uh, you know what I mean? Or what like you, you, said, you know, you know like what I mean? Like because they speak, marriage, like, they speak like, them being ladies, it works different when they are doing the broadcasting. Yes, of, co- of course, there are stereotypes. There are also the societal things about who should be doing sports, who's playing sports, and who sport is for. So, obviously, they'll have a different as- different experience being in that industry. But is, don't you feel like sometimes it's overrated as to what they bring? I mean, when I watch the broadcast, sports broadcasting whenever I do, which is not very often, I, I, I forget the gender of the person who's doing the the broadcasting anyway, it's really like it really doesn't matter. Yeah, well, maybe there's that. Like you said, uh, marriage has got universal aspects. So I'd say the two different genders would have things that are common for them. Specifically, for example, uh, there's this banter that I've seen with sports broadcasters that women don't usually bring on, like the competitive nature. So when I'm the broadcaster, let's say I'm I'm broadcasting on, on, on radio and the host supports a team that lost and I'm doing the sports news. I've seen the guys become more competitive around Pirates lost on Friday, yeah. the Champions League, because they are also in the sport. They're probably fans of the sport even before they are workers in the sport. So that you would find with a with a man most of the time. So it's not the same. So it's tough to generalize, like you say. We are diverse, but I think there's just certain things that you could peel out from the different gendered broadcasters that would be an element. For example, I doubt they played soccer at the level that a, a man, did, a would, man have. would have played. So there's an element of understanding there that might be slightly different. Uh, and, and what's your take on the... On, your, on the social contract, uh, social construct brigade, you know that this group of people who believe uh, that's only because women socialized to think this way, women are socialized to not be competitive because I don't know it will break men's egos. You know, there's that there are those people with that argument, which I'm totally, I totally don't agree with. I say, man, it's tough because we just experience the world in a different way, man. You've never bled. 
any time of the month. Like for me, that means there's an experience that you have that's that should be different. I'm not saying it's the key to what makes us different, but that experience must count for something yeah. in your view of the world. I just think it should. Even if you watch women's sport, women's sport is nice, but how? Uh, these guys are not running at the same pace, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah because, so it's what, because okay, because I do watch cricket, man, and there's this movement, honestly, to push women cricket, man. It's, it's they're they're doing their best to make it mainstream. You can see, but you watch and it's not the same, unfortunately. And I don't think it should be, but there's a push to make it the same. I don't think it can be the same. You are carrying boobs, man. I've jogged with my woman and she's telling me her chest is heavy. I'm thinking yeah. she's out of breath. And she's <laughs> saying that yeah. her boobs are just weighing too heavy on her. Because we're not even the same, man. We, we, we are not the same at all. And I think it plays itself out even in how we act. Just that it's tough to break the women-men social relations as well. Even when you've got a and Polish in front of you as as a host or or in front of you. Those things still come, eh, hey, she's pretty as a guy as you're watching. Hey, she's because that's the men women socialization, right? But, but then people start talking about the message and stuff, man. Oh, you're just over sexualizing women. Why don't you do this? Why don't women do the same with men? Because because they they, they might as well, right? They could as well. When they sure. look at Robert Marawas uh, don't see the podcast but see this hot man whatever but they do it's in their own so, way uh-huh. they also do it in their own way it won't be the same but we 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 are together man Kiromuto uh, has a line which says all problems that assail the human race emanate from the love mat essentially saying that this men women relations is what makes everything in the world go bad how we interact with each other You've seen when guys are just alone, but when a woman walks in, like you saw what GT says, if we add his woman, uh, things yeah, will go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> GT, up our production veil of the podcast, which I just bring. Young Hoti there. Young Kosa Hoti, I think it might change the whole podcast. It changed the whole podcast. But end up talking about GT. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, but you always, you've always also said... um. Mm. You've also said, uh, GTI, you've missed part of the conversation. I'll just bring you to, to speed soon. Uh, should. That's right. You've always said how sex is, is mundane. You've always said how sex. But isn't that those, and those human relations, that men and women relations culminate there? Isn't that the point where, like, isn't that the crux of this whole relations, uh, reproduction and now, uh, what, what can I call it? The evolution people call it, um, spreading your genes, whatever. But you've said sex is mundane. Because those relations culminate in sex, man. This is now worth a fought over niggas trying to get laid, bruh. Yeah, but it's mundane in the sense that that's all it is. Like, mm. that's all it is. You get what I'm saying? It's not, it's not personality creating how you have it. You get what I'm saying? It's just like an alert or a spam. starts with courtship. People go to days, people spend money, man, about GT moved to Cape Town. Like, there's so many things that go into <laughs> trying to get laid, but it doesn't just start with the sex itself. And that, uh, there's no, so much that the people go to gym, itself, their right? whole lives, man, that's so that they can get laid one day. No, but the act itself remains 
like a, a very consistent thing, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it's never, so, <laughs> it's, 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 you're, there's no diverse outcomes because you went to the gym. You should get what I'm saying. The outcome is the yeah. same. Is the same. <laughs> Even if you pay, yeah, the outcome is the same. That's what I mean by mundane. Not necessarily that it's not a complex thing. Hey, La Shela, mm. OGT, I'm sure they are toying down there in Cape Town to make sure that. <laughs> What do you say? Because we're talking about, we're saying, mm. it was saying, women obviously will bring a different flavor to the sports, right? In sports broadcasting. Yeah. By virtue of being women, they bring a different flavor to everything else because they, they have a life, a different life experience. By virtue of being women, by yeah. having a different biological experience and, and so forth than men. Yeah. And he's, he made an example with competitiveness that men are notoriously more competitive than women and it comes out in broadcasting you can tell a, a, a nigger who's a Chiefs fan a passionate Chiefs fan trying to do a Chiefs match when Chiefs is losing it has a different flavor to it That's what it is. and I asked him but I also don't agree with this argument people who say it's only because it's a social construct you know that people who say that people who say you know the reason men and women are different the way they are society that forced them to be like that Mm. It's a society that said women should be polite and calm and not too offensive, but men should be aggro and competitive versus men. Why, why do you, do you mm. think it's a social construct? Like why, what's your take there? No, I, I, I honestly just think we have moved past those stages um, now. Um, nobody cares about gender anymore. As much as, okay, as much as there are those industries <laughs> where people do care about it, but I honestly don't think that we still see it as like a big thing that you know so and so is 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 a is, is a broadcaster within um, you know rugby field and as a woman you know people will will now be moved or women will now be moved to listen to her as you know she's bringing us the analysis of what's happening with the Springbok or any other, you know, tournaments, separate of uh, games of some sort. So I, I honestly think that how good she is as a woman, I, I can give you my experience of, you know, being hooked, let's say to uh, Carol Manana, Carol Chawalala, for instance. It wasn't because she's a woman that I started to watch her presenting analysis on, on SABC Sport. It was more of, you know, she was, she, she, she came in with, with a new charm altogether. So. But do you think she was also a bit sexy? Uh, yeah, well, that's that's what that's, big sports fan, but <laughs> then Carol, huh? yeah, yeah, checking, but, honey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of of course, how she talks as a woman, you know, you 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 get you like her, right? But yeah. at the very same time, it's it's just how brilliant she was in delivering her analysis and how she was oh, conducting sure, her interviews know. with our David Kekana and um, the, the the rest of the analysis team. So I would watch that, and obviously then it was still a wall Tamuko and during those times as well, and now David Kekan, and you would you would you would you would you'd sense like no sharp as much as as much as Walter is great at what he's doing on the SABC sport and delivering this thing, Carol is also uh, you know an equal at this instance. Yeah. You know she's doing her job brilliantly, but it wasn't because no she's a woman. I would. 
honestly, you know, give you another name. There was this girl, I don't know if ever she's still with a super sport, but uh, her name is Tato Mweng. I don't know if you mm. guys know her, but she's mm. a brilliant sports broadcaster. If ever there's anyone, you know, that I thought by now would be, you know, reigning, like, I don't know, you know, she's a top uh, sport broadcaster on SABC Sport or on Super Sport, I would have thought that it would be her. But it seems as if they... I don't know, they, they try to put them behind, they give them, you know, they don't give them much uh, time as we would wish they would have given them. Like how, you know, Abu Carol Chavalala, they would be there on a weekly basis. You would see her and you would enjoy her or her doing uh, interviews after each and every game. So I don't think it's about gender, bro. Then there are people who, the, the women were marginalized in the past kind of arguments. Yeah. Um... How can I put this? Which which came up in that unclipped uh, episode with with Ted? Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and this need to say, okay, because of that, and there are a lot of parallel arguments about all the other things, sexuality, race, where this kind of uh, argument comes in to say, because women are marginalized in the past, it's time to open up the industry for them, so to speak, to say, sure. okay, it's time we let more of them in. Uh, mm-hmm. It's time to. Uh, inspire that young girl who wants to get sure. into sports to to but there's also another element m- me personally for us to respond to that question that i just asked myself yeah an element of but to be honest man i don't think it's a social construct that mm-hmm. women are not as interested in sport as men are because mm-hmm. i don't know i think there is something at a at a genetic or evolutionary level about men that lives comp- that likes competitiveness i mean men evolved going to fighting wars while yeah. women were at home uh, taking care of the family. So there's always an element of, but it's true, that's how, that's how we evolved HR. You, you can't have it, it's a, it's a historic fact. In, in the past, in evolution, women are gatherers, men were hunters. Men would go out into the field, they'd, they'd be facing other tribes, fighting on behalf of, of the tribe and all that, and women are responsible for taking... But in this day and age, do you so, think it's, 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 we should be bringing up that argument? Uh, we we adapted yeah. to it over time. I think we, we adapted to it. That, that's how the family structures evolved over time. And, and I don't know how it came about to be like that, but we, ad- we ended up adapting, it to, adapting to be like that. The point I'm getting into is then men naturally became more competitive as compared to women. And sports, if there's anything that is a true definition of what competitiveness is, sports. There is no sports without competition. And there's something that draws men about in, into that, especially in the times when you don't have to fight anymore. You can just sit home, drink your beer and watch Men City all day long. You don't have to go out. And, you know, it's like they, what's the word? they embody this desire you have to be competitive. Your team is winning and stronger than the other team. So naturally, I believe it will always be the case that men are more interested in sports than women. And by virtue of that, I don't, they, they don't have to, I don't think women have to try and also be interested in sports. There are other things that are also interested in by, by virtue of evolving the way they have over time that they've, that have drawn them more interested in them than men are interested in. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, I think the, the, the forcing of women to also like sports because we want to equalize the equation. Forcing women, because there's also a similar argument, by the way, with the things like engineering and all that, where they're trying to push girls in engineering, girls in science. Yes, 
there will be obviously a lot of ladies who are good at, at math and science who like engineering, but I think we are fighting a losing battle here on a, on that level. Ah, to say no, we're gonna man. force um, girls uh, to love it. No, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying, no, and I'm not no. saying women should be deprived of opportunities to enter into those things, but it should be a opportunity should be available for any woman who wants to enter into that industry. There should never be a ruler to stop a woman or not. But I think, forcing, I, think, I feel like I sometimes think, you I think yeah. we have moved past that time. Uh, we have moved past that time of... Have you also moved past time of where women are only the ones that get pregnant? No, I mean, I mean, come on. You, you cannot then now be bringing up that as an argument. No, you, you know, know what I'm bringing you. That's well, nature. You know that. That's I'm nature. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yes, yes, it's nature, right? That's and nature. Nature has those elements. No, yes. but you do it, it a woman. It are you trying to tell yes. me right now that a woman so. deciding to pursue engineering, deciding to pursue football as a career, it's nature or it's a career choice? Repeat your question. It's, are you trying to say now that people who are now, because now you're comparing uh, women getting pregnant with uh, a different thing altogether. We're talking about the fields that these women are doing or yeah. uh, that everybody's... You brought the past or what, what used to happen in the past, right? Which we accepted that this is what used to happen in the past. And we agree that women were deprived of these opportunities. Women were deprived of this and this yes. and that, right? Yeah. Sure. Which we agree. And then now um, we're talking. I, I'm like, no, let's move from that to current. Is this still the situation at this particular moment in time? You're still bringing it up to say that we are fighting a losing battle when it comes to um, you know, it seems as if you're forcing women to, to get into this so-called male-dominated field. And I'm saying to you that we have moved past that time. At this moment in time, in this day and age, we've moved past that time of questioning um, people taking particular careers, um, you know, thinking that, okay, no, it's male-dominated or we're forcing women into this. They are voluntarily coming in, into these this professions and doing them voluntarily. There's, a, yeah. there's no longer a first woman becoming an engineering in 2000. No. All of them, now there's a floods of engineers, there's a floods of mechanics, there's floods of football, women football players, rugby players. I even actually had in the past few weeks that there's, um, you know, um, a, a key tournament that's going to be taking place here for women in rugby. And I was so like, wow, man, this is, this is quite great if ever we are able to experience such now in this day and age. But when I say, compare, coming with, that analysis of saying that, you know, it's a losing battle when it comes to, you know, uh, women taking part in this type of careers, it's not going to work. No. I, I, okay. I can I say this? Yeah, so I heard you. And can I reiterate my point? I'm not saying women should not be allowed to go into sports. Can we get that? I'm not saying that. It's good that we are here now where if a woman wants to get into a career that was previously male-dominated, that they have an opportunity to do so, that no one is standing on their way. I'm all for that. And that's the times we are in where everyone should be able to pursue whatever makes them happy, right? Aisha, yeah. <laughs> Aisha, interrupting me. Can, can you speak before I make my point, H? What's, what can you... Hey, say, you, can, you can bring up your... <laughs> and then he goes offline. Like, what's happening? Because he's distracting me. So sharp. So this is what I'm saying, GT. This mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Mm. So, yes, 
I'm not saying women should not be allowed to enter sport. It's good that any anyone can enter into a career that they wish. If as a man you want to become a nurse, that should be that should be that that's how it should be if that's something you desire for. And if a woman wants to want to become I don't know a race a track driver whatever, whatever they want to be, it's fine. My problem comes here in, where the opportunities are, are, are available. I, I forgot what they call this. This uh, comparison, equality of outcome versus equality of opportunities. I believe there should be equality of opportunities. Everyone should be should never be deprived to enter into a career that they wish to enter into because of their agenda. That should never be the case. My problem comes with someone uh, going in Sikimazoe going to get the stats of male broadcasters versus women broadcasters and say this is evidence of that the world is still oppressing women, they are not allowing women into sport. Meanwhile, there are other elements that go into it, such as women's interest into it. And my yeah. arguments say, I believe there are careers that men will naturally be inclined and interested in oh, yeah. by based on what I just explained. So the past I was talking about is not the past of 1632 past. No, I'm talking... Like millions and millions of our, of our evolution of our ancestral species before yeah. us, where there's a certain by virtue of okay, let let me say this: Is it not a biological fact that on a general level, men are physically stronger than women? I'm sure we can kind of agree. No, on we that. can all agree on that. Yeah. Of course, uh, I'm sure I can find hundred women that are stronger than you, but that's not on a general uh, uh, um, population okay. level, right? And by virtue of that, what Ish was saying earlier to say. Women, for example, experience menstruation every month. By virtue of experiencing that, there's something that comes with that experience that shapes them as a gender into a particular, in, in, that adopts them into a particular type of uh, trade, so to speak. Women are the, uh, you thought my example with pregnancy was arbitrary and just, I was just saying it. By virtue of women being the ones who bear kids as opposed to men, there's something that comes with that. There's some things that only women will ever be able to have intuition for, they'll ever have skills, they'll ever develop strengths for over men because they don't ever experience that. So on the same level, there are things of, of men being physically stronger than women that comes with that. You know what I mean? And those things translate themselves into when we develop careers, when industries develop, there are things that men by virtue of having, having developed certain interests and strengths that they, they are more inclined to be interested in. Like I was telling you guys about that study they did in, I think it was in Singapore, where Singapore is considered one of the most liberal and open-minded countries where anyone of any gender is allowed to do any career. It's one of those. And they, they found that exactly because of that, women were interested in careers where they get to deal with people more and men were more interested in careers where they have to deal with things, hence the example of engineering, where they have to do with mechanics and all that. And women were more interested in being teachers, psychologists, and so on and so forth, doctors, you know what I mean? And I can, I can believe that by virtue of the fact that women have been the ones over time, and by virtue of the, the biological reality that they're the ones that bear kids and take care of kids for the most part, they, they, they've developed a, a nurturing instinct that is stronger than that of men. And as, as a result, they are more, they feel more, in the natural environment when they are in an environment where they get to take care of people and help people, they deal with people rather than, rather than uh, things, yeah. 
So I'm not saying women should not be, I'm definitely not saying that. I think I get your point. Should, anyone who wants to do point. any career, we live in those times, and I'm glad we live in the times where yeah. uh, women can come and have a rugby tournament. I think that's a good thing that they're able to do that. Yeah. But whether or not it will be as good as a Springboks uh, tournament, I don't know, man. That's where I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing I'm, to put I'm, my head on the block to say it will not. It, yeah. I'm saying I've, I've, I've sat down, watched Banyana games, which were like, Seven nil or something where there were a lot of goals. Yeah. Ha, yeah. But uh, yeah, quality like the speed, mm. the the way the these guys are running, the goalkeepers are struggling to catch. And I've seen the World Cup as well, uh, the highest stage, and I'm like, no man. Maybe it's because I played soccer and I'm thinking I could play better. But maybe that's just <laughs> the misogyny in me. Who knows? But no, I think it's of, uh, man. We can compare the two. Speaking of how traits impact decision-making, right, or whatever, even if it's just a construct of where you are, I, I, I think a similar kind of argument, even though it's not the same, because it's not necessarily biological or through nature or whatever, but I think you can sort of like do a similar kind of argument with what you see with the ANC government in South Africa. I think you can make a similar kind of argument by saying... Yeah. Uh, this idea of uh, op, uh, 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 what do, do you call it, Sinjem? The equality of outcomes. The way that they entered into government, given the state that they were in prior, as guys who were in the struggle, had said quite clearly that because we were in the struggle, we don't want to struggle any further. Mm. And the truth of building any society is that it is a perpetual struggle, right? You must be in perpetual acceptance that this will going to be a building until, 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 right? But then they took the option, quite a serious one, because they were in the struggle to say that uh, as we are entering for what is termed the soft life in South Africa, mm. right? And as such, would take decisions which are aligned with getting as far away from the struggle as possible, even if it would be in unethical terms. So I think it's not the same argument, because that other one is very much about nature and biology and whatever. But the idea that whatever happens in your past, the ANC with their struggle, sort of like impacts decisions they then take when they step into, into government, as opposed to seeing it as more struggle. They saw, hey, Repomoti. We are tired True. of yeah. anything. So now it's our time to eat. And as such, the corruption that you, you, you will see in this country, I think, follows from, from that assessment. And what I sent around uh, Franz Fanon's pitfalls of national consciousness, essentially he yeah. says, because you are constructed in this colonial world, yeah. you are in anticipation of getting into the levers of power so that you can con you can continue to do whatever the colonial powers were doing. So if they were living in nice houses, and I think Julius Malema has said this before, he said that, no, us, the struggle, was so that we can live like white people, which is deeply problematic, right? But that is how it happens. Your, 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 your future will sort of like impact the traits you will carry out. And I think which is why I insist that their failures are inevitable. This is there was nothing else you were going to expect here. These guys are doing what is expected of 
people who were, who were in their position, so to speak. So for us to get new outcomes, I think we're going to need sort of like a, a different brand of people almost. For me, there's... But, yeah, but how do you mean by... Because my, my question was going to be, that, what would it have taken for the outcome to have been different? What would, what did it have to take? Or are you saying it was inevitable? Because we've spoken about this in the in the past. Is it is it something you can never run away from? Because um, so, sorry, let me just maybe use this as an example. When when was it when Mandela passed away? Was it 2013? 14? 13? No, it was. Yeah, it was 13. It was 13 December. 13 December 2013. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah, and I remember. Yeah, we're still at vets, and I had he donated money. His foundation donated money or something to vets. And I thought it must be millions. Man. This man donated hundred thousand to VAIDS. Like ah man, that's one academic year. And I was shocked by how little money this man had. But it's with the power this man had, man, he could have accumulated so much wealth over time. I don't think he died a very rich man. Yes, he didn't die quite an artist, but he didn't die. He certainly didn't <laughs> die. <laughs> he certainly didn't die an Oppenheimer. You know what I mean? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How do Fido artists die, bro? <laughs> uh, no, uh, you know the struggle, I'm trying. What would Papa Putsi do? That's the question. <laughs> uh, you know the struggle. <laughs> but he didn't die, he didn't die a, 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 an Oppenheimer or, or a Rothschild, you know what I mean? Despite the amount of power this man had. I mean, at, that, at this time, there was no man more powerful, man. I'd argue in the world, actually. Given like political power, so to speak, can yes. talk about all sort of other powers. No, and he didn't use it to. Right. He didn't use it to 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 amass wealth over time. Why didn't he? If you say it's kind of, you can't help it, so to speak. That a, a, a generation immediately after colonialism would be that kind of a generation. Why didn't he become that guy? I think he was that guy. Just that it was a different kind, right? So. If you want to say an accumulation of wealth is, is a function of what the balance sheet says at the point of death, I think that would be uh, misrepresenting what it means to step into the device of power without necessarily all the other muscles which are needed for you to actually hone in into this power. Because political power is one thing, right? But it doesn't operate by itself. It, does, it doesn't operate by itself. It operates with other mechanisms that ensure that you can do it. So there's no way, even in South Africa, you can talk about public sector corruption without talking about private sector corruption, right? Because they are the ones who are buying the public officials. They are the ones that are influencing the public officials to take decisions in their favor. So as president, as Mandela, as Wiz, what he has is what I would say is charismatic influence, right? Not necessarily the president who's going in to drink the man. I don't even think Zuma will die with the level of money we think when he passes on, he will have. It's not so much about how you are accumulating, but the kind of decisions you will take because of this limited power that you have, whether it's economic, whether it's the factors of production, whether it's who you must ask for certain things to be able to be executed in your country. Those are the questions that when you are now sitting in that position of minister, Mm. You now start distributing it in a way that becomes sort of like reckless, in a way that destroys 
your 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 the the the, the proper functioning of your society. So there are other African countries which are good examples who were independent long before South Africa, for example, which tell you what was happening. These guys were struggling to organize uh, their governments to pass on proper services down to the lower levels without the need of a, a multinational. So the DRC is a good example. You can't even get into government without a multinational being there. So you might find Mandela is stuck with uh, Anglo-American in terms of the decisions that he must make, right? Which is where now the corruption comes. They give him 50 grand, he puts it in his pocket if he was doing that. That 50 grand he puts in his pocket, multinationals now set up like they did at Lonmin without necessarily doing the necessary work on the ground to build the houses, to build the roads for the mine workers, children and their schools. That's what corruption really is. I don't think corruption should be read correctly called Rinkita the policeman, where people will be amassing bags and bags of, of money. It's in the decision making. But it's a question of who do you sit there? Who comes and asks for a decision to be made? And the person who will want decisions to be made in their favor are those who already have economic rent in your society. And in any post-colonial society, what you are entering into is people who have already made business in that country, whether it's Anglo-American, whether it's the French in the French uh, African countries, whether it is uh, the big mining houses that were here long before these guys were in government. So these guys still have a lot to lose, depending on who's in power. And as such, will use that economic power to sort of like shift decisions in their favor as much as possible. And I think that's where real corruption really exists. What kind of decision will Njave make as a minister? In whose favor and how? And I think the ESCOM story really, if you read it according to, to, to Kaya's Tolle's breakdown over the years, it's, it's a classic example of, of those who were in power delivering coal were not happy when things changed and new businesses were given coal or given the contracts to deliver coal to ESCOM. And as such that brought in this ripple effect of uh, sabotage as we are seeing now, uh, of contracts being overinflated so that you benefit a GT's company as opposed to 50 rand. The company is now charging 150 so that GT can take the 100 rand difference. So it's those, that's where corruption happens. I don't think it would have been, Mandela would have left with bags of money. But you are stepping into positions of power but there's people who've got more power underneath. They've got a lot to lose. They've invested before and as such would want decisions to be made to be made in their favor. And as such sort of like squeeze you into certain decisions, squeeze you into certain decisions. And I think that's how we, we, we ended up here because even the companies that were here were not necessarily invested in the country as we would have wanted. I think Tawambek used to say this, that there was so much money leaving the country when he was president from these big multinationals and, and corporates because they were not wanting to invest real infrastructure in the country because they didn't think this project was going to last long. So they were already leaving, right, taking their assets out and not leaving real infrastructure in the country. And as such, this meant that you couldn't uh, uh, build the way you wanted to build, even if, if, if you were president. And you are relying on black people 
who couldn't even own property until 94, which is just an MS. So now you must deal with these guys. The way they decide to use it, uh, the development of Hamulech is not in direct proportion with whatever they've amassed up to the point of 1994. And it's where corruption will, will operate. I don't think it's so much that, that these guys, I don't even think they will die with that much money because what Fanon also covers is that what they will do is that they will enjoy the opulence of their colonial countries. So the swag, whether it is Louis Vuitton, whether it is Chanel number five, they now use even that money just for the aesthetic look of looking like uh, they are in Heathrow, London, mm-hmm. where they, they've got all these money. So they spend their money recklessly as well as a function of trying to 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 match the the the, the opulence that you would see in france or so so i i think i have a que- i have a question with what with you as what you are saying now so would you say that during mandela's tenure as a president of the republic there was was he corrupt as, as a president yes that's what i wanted to ask because mm. we don't we don't have story we don't hear stories of his the kind of corruption that was there during Zuma's time, so to speak. And he was, and from what you are saying, he should have been the most corrupt president because he was immediately after the apartheid government went out. From what you are saying, he should have been Zuma time is three. So here's a good example, right? The finance minister of South Africa in 1994, Derek Keys. That's the finance minister in 1994. This is when you know you're not necessarily in the power that you think you're in just because you're president. So this guy is finance minister. Ne? Mm-hmm. For six months into Mandela's tenure. In that six months, and you can find this on Sizum Pofuwalsu's book, uh, The New Apartheid, right? Yeah. Um, so in, the, in that six months, this guy decides to take a decision as finance minister to say that some of these state-owned entities, some of these private companies can unbundle their assets and throw them out into the international space. That's a decision that he takes. One of them was Anglo-American. What does that mean? So they can allow international companies to have ownership of these parastatals? Of the parastatals, but also some of the private companies that are in South Africa can now leave. Because remember, South oh. Africa was also closed. Oh, uh, so you, you couldn't sell off your company out of the country at the time? Yes, yes. Okay. In that six months, he's the finance minister, right? Mm. Mind you, Mandela doesn't come in with a full-on cabinet. He's, there's mm. the sunset clause made by Joe Slover, which essentially says, these white guys must not leave. They must stay in government because we don't know what governance is. I mean, that already tells you what's going to happen because these guys have been in there. They are not as welcoming of, of, of the new state. I mean, it's only 63, I think 68% that signed the, 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 oh, the referendum. Yes. Yeah. Only 63% is saying, let's kill this apartheid thing. So there's the people who are against this thing. So Derek Keys, finance minister, 1994, First few months, first six to three to six months. His big deals is that he enables ownership parastatals to be unbundled. He also allows some of the private entities to now sell off their shares. 
Six months. This guy resigns after six months. And as soon as he resigns, he says he's going back to chill with his family. Mm. Three weeks later, this guy is the board chairperson of, uh, he's the, the executive director at Anglo-American. Damn. That's just the one thing. This oh. is in Mandela's time. Yeah, but before you proceed to the next one, because I want to, as you speak, I'm trying to remember the context of the time uh, of how everyone was thinking about the kind of decisions that were made during that time. So one aspect would be the, the I don't want to use the Rambo Nation because you guys will laugh. Uh, <laughs> what, can, what word can I use? <laughs> but, but there's a language of rebuilding the country, the, the language of reconciliation. So from what I, I remember when, when, Conversations around the decisions that Mandela would have made in terms of who to put as the as the in his cabinet at the time would have involved things like, okay, I don't want everyone in the cabinet to be an ANC guy because uh, the whoever the opposing parties probably do think then this reconciliation project is not genuine, so to speak. Yeah. So firstly, the decision for him to appoint uh, uh, Derek, what's his name, Derek, Derek Keys. Keys as a yeah. minister of finance could have been. I, I don't know. So it sounds like you don't believe that that was the motive. It sounds like, no, there were other forces at play over and above that mode, that decision to say, I'm gonna, I'm going to, uh, appoint someone who's from the national party as my minister of, of finance. One. No, but you understand. I wanted to go to the second point and you can respond to all of them together. Uh, because I don't think that one is the main one. And then, um, I didn't know about the clause you're talking about in terms of kind of not allowing the local private companies basically because you sell you're talking about selling off, yeah. but you could also say investing into the country. That, that's, you could, that it depends yeah. which direction you look at it. Because when I'm an Anglo in South Africa and I'm not allowed to trade my shares in international um, markets, okay. what is it, uh, stock exchanges, that that's that's obviously that's not good and i might i might firstly kind of reduces the value of my company to a certain extent because it's not a very easily tradable um equity so to speak so when you open up uh into the what do you call it a free market and allowing so you could you could say they were allowed to sell off their companies but you could also say international investment was allowed into the country yeah. but it, it sounds how you put it, it's, it's, it's very cynical that, no, 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 that couldn't have been an intention. It was yeah. just letting them to, to escape the country, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, can you respond to those two points? Because you have a different twist to, to how I understand. Gigi, what, 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 what were you saying? So I wanted to add to say that, no, the point, the point here was with regards to what happened with uh, the Rekis, that after the six months of saying he's retiring, he then went on to become the board chairperson of the Anglo. So, you know, that then went to show on what was actually happening during that particular point in time. That's all I wanted to say. Sure, because that now explains his own motive, even personally. Yeah. Yeah. The, the corruption is not gone. Just because yeah, we are yeah. now in the rainbow nation. But I'm actually saying the decisions to bring in them as ministers was a rainbow decision. But what happens post a government like an apartheid government is that now everybody wants to eat in a lot of ways. Mm. Even the Afrikaners. Mm. 
because they are also not sure about this project, Yamandel. So they are also siphoning their own funds in the corners. So as much as they may be attracting investment into the country, right, it's not an investment that's coming in to necessarily be a building in the way that it should. Because I know the stories of Mandela calling people personally, like Oprah, hey man, please, me and you have spoken, please do something in my country. Mm. Using his charisma. The, mm. the country was not this big thing that Mandela was in charge of in terms of governance because there were these other things that were coming under. But these guys were coming under it, right? So you can go to different government departments to mm. this day. Mm. Some of the government officials who were in charge, Africans government officials, decided to say, okay, no, we need to make sure that we are not replaceable. So they left with some of the intellectual property that they had built over the years. For example, mm. the the lines of dams and the construction that lie in terms of, let's say, piping under a municipality. So there you had probably designed it as government officials. Remember, government was very much a, a, a big employer during apartheid. So yeah. now this rainbow country is changing. What they decide to do is <laughs> we need to find a way to make sure that we are irreplaceable. So they take that intellectual property and go out and create consultation firms and go out and create small businesses. And then when government now wants to develop, it must now ask itself, I mean, this is classic corruption. They must ask itself, who can we go to? Now they must go to a Fantonder's consultation firm to be able to now understand the infrastructure that lies under, let's say, a a, a Spiritoria, for example. And now this guy, because he knows there's nowhere else these guys are going to get this infrastructure and this intellectual property, he's taken it out of the government. So they left government and now became consultants to government. And then as consultants to governments, because they've got the government by the balls, so to speak, in terms of what the government would need in order to design and create certain things, these consultation firms start charging government exorbitant prices. Yeah. These exorbitant prices means that a lot of the money is now going back to whoever's got the IP to yeah. be able to understand what is happening in a society. So don't just think of piping. Think of other things that a, a government system might need, which was not there b- before Mandela comes in. Yeah. So now, this now corruption. It's not just these ANC guys, but it's the nature of a society that's coming from a colonial experience moving into what looks like a post-colonial society, right? Everybody now is trying to eat as much as possible. Even though we might have a rainbow, it's because this rainbow, we are all not in agreement that this is going to work, so people are trying to find corners for themselves. Derek Keys is an example. Uh, These guys who decided to create consultation firms, which is why I'm cynical about the motives at the time. But even if there was international uh, investment coming in from outside, what was true about the time was that the Cold War between Russia and America, the Belgian Wall had just fallen. The the Berlin Wall had just fallen. So there was a big free market interest from the Americans to ensure that they also find space in that country. So this investment that's coming is not so much investment for the development of your own society. Again, it's the, these guys' interest to come and take the money that they can take. And because you don't have a national consciousness about this is the kind of society that we want, or that national consciousness that has been created, nobody 
we're not in full agreement. No, not right? everyone buys into it, yeah. Not everyone buys into it. It's yeah. easy for them to even come in from outside. Okay. Then that's where they start uh, eating. And you step, you take it a step further. You talk about now the creation of, of, of BE as an idea, right? Where the likes of Sarah Ramaphosa now start getting corners inside some of these businesses. It's to also quiet their They give them a 10% of APSA. He hasn't worked. (laughs) He doesn't contribute. He says nothing in the board meetings, but he's there as the face. Mm. He then continues to be this thing that makes Sakima Tozoma, Tokyo Sihuale, Sel Ramaposa, become billionaires of no real association. So that's when you you, you ask this is when this yeah. is, I can, can I then ask you yeah sorry maybe you can just squeeze it in because it's a quick question from what you're saying uh, how do you then explain I haven't I'll be honest I haven't read up a lot on it but it has been spoken about corruption then during apartheid because corruption didn't start after 94 it did start with the Nets the Nets did have their own corruption if you say uh, the corruption that we saw post 94 is what Fanon explains as this inevitable uh, corruption given the, uh, how can I call it, the kind of mentality that was developed by those who fought for, for democracy over during the colonial times. How do you then explain the Nets themselves that were corrupt? What, what, what would have motivated them? Because from what you're saying, it sounds like anyone before 94, they had no reason to be corrupt that way. No, people will be corrupt also because, I mean, everybody has got their own level of selfishness that they will come. But the truth is the apartheid government took care of its people. Yeah. A lot of the houses you like to go and stay in, you guys coming from the township saying the suburbs, the suburbs, you want to stay in the yeah. suburbs. Those are, point, are subsidized, point. Yeah. those are subsidized houses by government, gave, yeah. given to the people for free to say, you must at least have assets. Which is why financially they can create universities at this point because even their money is very much settled. That's why when you speak land and to want to take this land that they were given for free, they, they, they're not going to like it. right? But it's how the government was working. Also, the government had strong parastatals in, during apartheid. Mm. So they were really employing. Ah, those guys were employing. Mm. Pelasasol was, was, a, was, a was a state-owned company. As yeah. much as it is unbundled now, and there's some privatization now. ESCOM, yeah. uh, Aslam Mittal, uh, there's, there's yeah. a big one, ESCO, ESCO in the steel industry, yeah. the one that's for the, the 22 million rent flag, the steel industry, the 22. ESCO, you have ESCO. to tell us more about that, man, I, because I don't know who, this, I don't know who are these guys who have to build this whooping 1.5 meter pole. <laughs> How does that even they, work? Do you, do you know, GT, do you know who's supposed to be building this this massive one five meter pole? The construction, yeah, hundred and fifty meter. I, I really huh? don't know if ever the How tall age? Hundred and fifty meter, he said. Hundred and fifty. Oh, not one point five. Hundred and fifty meters. Hundred and fifty meters. You know how big that oh, you is. You need an entire yeah. steel industry. <laughs> so much steel. <laughs> So much steel in one pole. Oh man, I'm just like, okay, so are we are we constructing this 150 meter giant 
you know, flag, or is it 150-meter pole, and then at the top there will be a little bit of a flag? What's the story? How, how does it happen? I think our flag? GDP is going to shoot up from this pole. He, what he said is that it's going to be 150 meter. That's the steel pole. Yes, the pole. And, and the flag itself flag. is going to be like about 10 meters. So it's, it's, it's going to be, what is it called? London 10 by 15, I think. It's yeah. going to be like 10 by 15. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's, that's quite big because 10 meters is quite long. So I, Nah, but that's what, what did they so say in that, in that, sorry, in that, um, JJ's interview? <laughs> there's, a, there's a question JJ asked. Yeah. And he tried to make it sound like, no, dude, you don't get it. This pole is huge, man. It's like he, he went on to describe the David. That is going to light up at night. Yeah, gonna light up at night. Because he said education has to continue even at night. I was like, yeah. Man, no. What education? He said education bro. has to continue at night. <laughs> nah, guys, come so on. So now what I killed mean, me, eh, is mm. Ramaphosa. Because now Ramaphosa apparently they've now uh, taken that. I think they've called it. Yeah. yeah. I think Ramaphosa was at the Black uh, Business Summit and people were laughing about what he said. But what he said is that he got a call from. from from Natim Tetra there. From Natim Tetra, yeah. Minister. And he says, I'm Tetra, I'm at a cabinet meeting. Mm. I'll call you later. Yeah. And then Ramaphosa says, he then called Natim Tetra and then says, Natim Tetra saying, hey, the people are not happy about this project. What must I do? Ramaphosa then says, he told uh, Natim Tetra to scrap it. My interest is, okay, why wasn't Natim Tetra in the cabinet meeting? <laughs> Yes, because he's Why minister, wasn't yes. uh, Nadim Tetra in the cabinet? Maybe he might have went to attend to something else. But my concern he was that Penilibiani's house drinking tea. <laughs> he was with what? He was that Penilibiani's house drinking tea? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he was doing. <laughs> I think that's what he was busy. He couldn't. He couldn't probably. make it. He couldn't make it to the meeting. <laughs> probably, probably he was at Penny's house. What a nonsense. But but at the at the very same breath, I'm just, I'm just like this doesn't make sense that Ramaphosa comes and say no, um, actually cancel this entire project. He knew about this project prior to this entire thing uh, to Natim Tetwa announcing this thing to the public and everybody else. Did he not know that this is actually nonsense? How are we spending so much money on a flag, knowing that we have other issues as 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 a government? Like, is it making sense that he goes to that cabinet meetings? He makes it a joke because he was laughing about it. That no, comrade, cancel that thing. But I'm like, how it it doesn't add up to me. If you know that man is always shocked by everything. You know, I was I was I was surprised to hear. So sorry to interject there. They've already, they've already, you know, they haven't started building it, ne? Mm. But they've already spent, I think, a million or two H, I can't remember, on, they call it, is the way study. But it's literally just brainstorming. Is it a feasibility study? <laughs> yeah, feasibility study, and cause, but mm. a couple of millions out of that 22, they already have spent some, and there's not even a foundation yet of the flag. You guys know where this thing is going to be yet. Yeah, where is uh, it? It's where is Freedom it? Park. So I don't know if you guys have been to Freedom Park in Pretoria. Uh-uh. No. Uh, this is this is why this flag project makes no sense in this country. You guys. Mm. So Freedom Park is this monument. It's a heritage mm. site. 
They've tried to break down some of the issues that have happened in South Africa. In real terms, if we were a real country that's run on a national consciousness, this is a place where every child must have gone by the time they matriculate. Ideally, that's how you would want it to work, right? Ensure that people can at least see some elements of it. So it's a place where they're trying to bring out what happened during apartheid, how did our country heal. So they built a monument out of the TRC. It's a museum of some kind. Yeah, it's a museum of sorts, a heritage site. So that's where they want to then implement it. Funny enough, where it is, Freedom Park where it is, it's like here, né? on the right. And on the left, there's four trekker uh, a monument, the one that the uh, Afrikaners. Yeah. So it's this flag was going to be sitting right next to the fourth tracker. Uh, and 150 meter pole overwhelming <laughs> the fourth tracker. <laughs> so it was going to be quite interesting how they were going to sort it out. But that's yeah, where it was. No, it was actually that's a good question. I didn't know where this thing was going to be. But if it's a feasibility that how their argument, if you were to let's say. Yeah, they are crazy animals. How are they planning to generate money from it? Because they talk about tourist attraction, whatever, whatever. But what you are saying is that there's a museum already. It's just an addition to what's already there in terms of if you want to go and learn about the history of the country and all that. Yeah, so, so maybe could it just be a flag at the gate of the of the museum. So maybe people take pictures on it, but I think it was also somewhat a, a reaction to. Afriforum's quest for them to be able to raise their apartheid flag. You think it was because this one, this one, this flag sounds like it's being. So I think they, the, that project was there, like it was filed. Then they took yes. out the file, kind of thing. I think they had thought yeah. about what can we do to to generate some patriotism because flags, right? In real countries, and I insist South Africa is not a real country. There's no <laughs> nation here. We are a geographic location. <laughs> no nation here, right? So in other countries, a flag is very important. It's a sign of patriotism. We all gather around. When you go to the States, you will have yeah. people have their flag outside their houses, the American flag outside their houses. Yes, exactly. yeah, in the UK, so in the UK as well, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. you you know how people are driven and passionate. So I think they might have also been borrowing from those kind of uh, uh, studies in terms of understanding how can we drive <laughs> patriotism, patriotism in the but country. they didn't know the kind of people they are dealing with in this country. This kind, these people don't care much for the country in itself. I don't think they we know about about fun, about fun, No, but uh, I mean, what's 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 the somebody can make me understand if ever something is like it can is it like reasonable for it to be you know a project of that amount of money. Yes. Yeah. What's going on there? What's the, what's the real story? Yeah. And well, think yeah. that that project it can be done literally with five hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah. So, someone showed other ones that were done at like a cheaper, cheaper level. Exactly. And at the same time, this is a kind of project where you would want private sector to invest in with some of their leftover funds yeah. for a country, not necessarily yeah. using taxpayers' money for a flag, right? Exactly. So, but the government eats money on projects. I can tell you that for a yeah, fact. For sure. They are there, they eat them. The whole of prices. Yeah. Of, of prices. They definitely do. And you know what my thinking is? Uh, last, uh, watching Ramaphosa's video there laughing and saying, no, cancel this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm of a view that this money, this thing is, is now going to be cancelled. As much as it's now taken for a review, yeah, I think it's, it's good not going to be done, right? Yeah. 
thanks to the influencers who went on Twitter and spoke about it. And wow. and what now, did GT say? Repeat what he said. He says thanks to the influencers. He said the only reason that Tim Tetua was stopping is because Bonang said something. He doesn't want to be on the bad side of Bonang. What about that? It's going to Michal. It's probably going to Michal, my dog. It's probably going to Michal or it's going to one of those girls there. So, hey, we'll never know. But anyway, I'm saying it's going to be rechanneled now to a different project altogether. Might be split into two projects of another nonsense, you know, project that they are going to do. It might not be in, you know, in Department of Arts and Culture, but they're still going to do something about the Trinity because they want. They belong to the Department of Arts and Culture. Don't they work like that? I think they have their they budgets, allocations, and stuff. So I think it can. But be as easier. ministers, as yeah, but as yeah. ministers, they have the because 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 what's the whole point of this thing? There's no flag that is going to cost twenty two million. I mean, let's be honest about it. Um, they are doing that unless uh, unless yeah. it has to continue the education at night, GT. Yes, no. flags are cheap in general, <laughs> but this one no, is not man. ordinary flag. You can't, you can't, you can't. This one it takes education during the day and it <laughs> continues it into the night. <laughs> it's not an ordinary flag. You can't like, expect like, it. Like, no, man, that, that's nonsense. Because, because you know what they're going to do? They're going to put those. You know that light, the, the 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 automated lights at night that yeah, you have the, 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 <laughs> outside yeah. your yard. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be uh, at the top there. You know, it's going to light on at night so that at least people can see what's happening. They can see that flag. So that cool. that light at night is going to be costing one million, but you can buy it for three hundred rand. What a nonsense. <laughs> But I, H, I, can I ask you then, but from what Fanon is saying, what would it take then to have, do we need a, a new generation of uh, leaders who are not from the struggle to be able to take over this project going forward? Like, what, what would it take? Because what, what from his logic... All I will say is that it's not going to be in this generation. Sure. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, I'm yeah. Saying, but, but my argument is, even the next generation, what hope do we have? If, from his logic, we're growing up in a, in a in a time when, I mean, can you imagine some ANCU's leader now somewhere in Limpopo trying to struggle to get to the top? Who can see what's happening at the top? They also want their share of that Louis Vuitton. I don't see why they shouldn't have a bit of Louis Vuitton. And they're just waiting to get their hands in, in, to the, in the till as well. Why, why should they? Like, what, what would stop it? Because to me, it sounds like it's a, it's a vicious cycle, to, so to speak. Uh, well, they there are leaders now who are going to breed a next generation of leaders who saw how the previous generation of leaders behaved and so forth and so on and so forth. Why would they, why would any other generation from now on say, you know what, guys, we need to put a stop to this? Well, it's it's what it means by national consciousness. So you would need to have consciousness. What does that mean? Can you explain what does that mean? So it doesn't need to have everybody. It's the same way. In the middle of apartheid, a thinker like Biko can emanate, right? In the middle yeah. of apartheid, who was yeah. totally different from the ANC way of thinking. Even the yeah. PAC, when it moves out of the, the ANC, was a different kind of thinking from the ANC. So these pockets of individual philosophers and thinkers is possible. What Fanon is asking for is just that that just then needs to translate itself into the national consciousness. That now needs to be more deliberate and intentional 
about what kind of society we want to to see. So in South Korea, there was something called the the the, the Simwal Undong. I I I doubt I'm saying it correctly. Okay. But S A E M A L Undong, U N D O N G. So this was like a new movement, like it was literally called that, the new country movement, where they're trying to create people who were thinking different. So they started it in some way like a rural area in Lubuahomo. Let's make sure these people can uh, build their agriculture enough to sell it properly. Let us make them more efficient. Let's give them the raw materials they need. That's what they did. And then what they did is that they started to modernize their rural area. So you guys saw Limpopo. The, the the modernization that you see the big house they are very I'm not shocked by those mentions uh, niggas can you talk up what's that area niggas hey, I drove past this area I'm like what is this is this what is this it's block G then Toyando yeah hey hey did you know what I'm talking about I don't know what you're talking about but I've you, seen lots of mansions in Benda there no this one was just a suburb of look of mentions sometimes. It was a mention after a mention after a mention. We're on the road. Yes, by the, by the main road, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Tender Park. Uh, oh, you're talking about Tender Park in Polokwani. Hey, well, that place. Mm. <laughs> Can we talk about that place? How's that place? So Not featured on top building somewhere, man. Yo, that place was something, man. Yeah, it is, it is Tender Park. It's in Starter Park and Bendo that time. Oh, they that have place, all those mentions there. No, that place is something. Who what's happening? Who stays there? Is it the is Malema's house somewhere there? Yeah, yeah, Malema used to have a house there. And a lot of, there are a lot of high profile people in Polovani, man. There are a lot of yeah. people business people in Polovani, I'm telling are you. Are you are you are you telling me uh, Master Cage is in, in a I don't know negotiations now to secure young something? Boy. That... <laughs> Master Cage is a young man. There are a lot of underground older people. Yeah. Yeah, no, then. What What's who? Like, what is that place? What's happening there? And it's an estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great, man. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it is. That's that's. But the, doesn't have development around it. What's going on? It's just houses. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> there's no <laughs> that's what I mean. That no spa down the road. Yeah. There's no coffee shop. No, there's there's, there's more of the north like, on the houses in there. There's more of the north on the there's side. More of the, more of yeah, the there's more of the north on the there's side. There's more, but that's all. That's really no, no, no. Day. There is actually a lot, a few other shopping centers. If you had driven inside Bendo, yeah. yeah. you're gonna there's see it because there's Psychiatrist Center, there's Savannah at the back as well. So there's like a few, you know, shopping centers around. As much as you would see the houses, the big houses yeah. and whatnot, but yeah, you. Well, we could have gotten there. ice and vodka if we entered them because we were struggling for we were out of, out of the beverages some channel. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll yeah. remember it for next time. I'll remember yeah, for each Next time when you yeah. when you were there, you can you can just go. There's Sycat Center just around the corner there. And yeah, yeah, we'll, but remember, we'll remember it when you go to each anniversary next day, yeah. The development of these kind of pockets <laughs> are not well developed with like a proper town planning. Yes, what's yeah. going They're just so there's, beautiful there's houses bigger, by the roadside, yeah. Block G in Toyando, the one I was talking about. I don't know if you guys yeah. noticed. But from where we were, you could see it at the bottom there. There were like yeah. big houses at the bottom. Similar kind of uh, experience there where people are just mm. building, of course, personally. But the consciousness is not there in terms of, okay, how do you actually structure a society for development? 
What more things do you need? What recreational areas, schools, no, business but remember, homes, uh, remember if, if not a mall you... coming in by Ackerman, perpetual. Like that kind, that's what development means. It means GT can become Ackerman inside yeah. Tender Park as opposed to perpetually saying we will build a mall anchored by uh, uh, Bay and yeah. Right. Because then that means you are not redistributing the wealth. You will have that house there by Tender Park. Yeah. But all your money is now in, in perpetual loss because you only can spend. You are not yeah. producing anything. Producing any money. In that corner. Maybe you are a small business doing hair or a salon or something inside the mall, but you're not anchoring the mall. In, in, that's not how... No, I think, I, think, I think with how you see that how Pulogane is growing and it's, it's continuous, because that thing, uh, the, the houses that H is talking about in Tenapak, all those, they are mostly in the estate, right? Yeah. They are by Tenapak. And there are others, they outside, they are uh, freestanding alone, a lot of them being built. Cool, it's great. We have one of one mall that we have actually in Bologna. It's that mall of the north, yeah. Savannah Mall. It's it's actually a shopping center, if you may call it that way. It's, it's not that doesn't have a cinema. Yeah. No, it does have a cinema. No, I don't need a mall. I'm trying to. That's the requirement. If it does a cinema, it's a mall. If it does a cinema, it's a mall. No, it it does have a signal call. There's the metro as well. So yeah, you know, it has it has it has both. But we cannot say that that's enough for the people of Bulawayo because a lot of people, if you check, a lot of people are moving back to 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 Limbs. That's why you see all those developments. People are building and whatnot. So it's 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 a growing town, and you know we're proud of it. It's quite we are H, not why proud do you think of that's it. That's not enough. H, why do you think what do you that's mean? not enough? I think that's a good theme, Ja. It why? is, but the issue is there is no consciousness, if you get what I'm saying, around what we're doing. It's not a we are developing because development comes with money. The houses would come first, and then ah, people have yeah. got nice houses. Then the mall. That's not how you build a society. But you how build you your want... society by being intentional about how you build. So essentially, what you should have been starting at is philosophically understanding how do we do people management and where they stay and how they stay from a Polokwane point of view. You should be developing new towns and not necessarily replicating whatever is happening in in Limpopo, for example. Because uh, in no, but, day, but now I used to deny the development of Polokwane by developing new towns. Is that what you're saying, H? I'm saying that development is not anchored by an understanding of anything. As to how mean, society should actually run. And I'll give you a good example of Toyando Block G where this is happening, right? Can, they, can I tell you, when you give examples, can you also give an example of a country where you feel like that level of consciousness was achieved? And how can we tell that, okay, look at that country, this is how they think about development and town planning and all that. But, you know, honestly, before age responds, ne? Um, if if ever you would carry that view, then for a business person, it does not carry weight because what you're thinking is you go where the market is. By the mere fact that now we have all these developments, people are building mansions and doing whatsoever, most of them are not even living there. They're staying in Joburg. They left those houses there. They bought those lands, right? Those lands. Having a house in Tenor Park, you have to buy a land there, which is expensive. It's close to a million and whatnot. So 
now having to now have to, to have shopping centers and schools before you have uh, the people themselves stay in there and understanding the, you know, the type of people that you're dealing with here. Do you want a medium curo or you want the one upper level or whatnot? You know, I don't want curo. Yeah? What I want is, so when you, when you develop a society, GT, yeah. Yeah, you've got people of different skills who should be able to leverage the development that we are making. A good example of Limpopo is the hardware's where people are buying material for sure. purposes of building these houses. Mm-hmm. Abo, my friend, have flocked into mm. corners of Limpopo, sure. and they are the ones offering all the hardware. True. So what that means is that the construction quality guys who are black, maybe coming from Vits, graduated, happy level Mabatabi, Lekoro graduated, are not elevating in their development to move from just being a construction graduate to now stepping into the hardware space. I'm not saying everybody can do it, but you should yeah. be able to see that development. Someone owning paint, someone saying, sure, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm in the space. So you need that development. So that when GT now builds the house, mm. he's also buying it to build a new hardware store. Not just oh, that the same true. hardware stores that are now finding their way into this mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, I'm going to mention falling on us. Because GT, <laughs> I know Romela GT, I promise, I'm going to re-promise, to provide this good quality bricks. Good quality bricks and paste. You know, uh, and, 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 and the, real, the reality of it all is, if ever, that, that is a brilliant mindset, by the way. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. we are a generation where we were not fortunate enough to have you know, I, I know it's an excuse to talk about, you know, capital uh, and that allows you to, you know, start businesses and doing whatsoever, like those type of things. People who, if ever you look at the pattern of the people who successfully get into this type of businesses where they are literally mainstream in, in, in with regards to what they have studied, you, it might be law, it might be construction or whatsoever, it's because their families or whoever, they have actually assisted them in you know, in, in, in getting to the next notch of where they found their father or their uncles were uh, at the time of, 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 you know, completing their studies. So they get to be mentored and grow within sure. the field because of that privilege of having somebody in their family. You might be brilliant in varsity, have all these plans to do whatsoever, but how many are actually able to uh, move from there and actually have, um, you know, uh, uh, an entity that's going to, you know, be manufacturing or dealing with the direct, uh, you know, uh, product of what the they The practical side of things. The guy you, you, know, you know what I mean? Because also, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I, I was thinking about this actually the other day to say that if right now we are to be, you, you observe South Africa as it is and really question which black company has moved from one generation to the next? And it's one of the biggest companies in the land, in South Africa right now. We cannot think of any that has moved for the past two, three generations. It's the difficulty of the type of circumstances that we grew up under. As, as, but as, I am as saying people. the yeah. kind of development we want to celebrate doesn't enable that generational move either. Essentially, I think... It actually thwarts and kills a development that can be generational. Because what we are doing and what we are quick to celebrate, right, is that 
a that quick development that can't have sustainability because we are not entering this development space with a full-on mindset of other factors that are coming in. Because I don't think the three of us are going to have kids who can do much. Because capitally, we are also weak. Yeah. Even in the development of our own businesses, we are not taking into consideration other factors that are at play. And I think this lack of development, or this development that we are celebrating, which I'm saying is not sufficient, is going to be the inevitable death of any kind of generational move. Because if you've got the mall there, mm. right, mm. and it's offering everything, mm-hmm. where is GT's small business going to come in there? It's never gonna come. And it's as we come, happen. as we become more digitized, as the world becomes more digitized, we are moving more and more away from people owning their own sections of their communities. Mm-hmm. So when you don't have that ownership upfront, when you are deciding on development, the inevitable death of the place is is quick. My grandmother says in her rural area, she's convinced the people who are working the land there are Zimbabweans who are coming from Zimbabwe, sure. because all the kids of our age who should be working the land. In Cape Town, the white cost, girls, they're the killing, killing cause. Yeah. But they're also <laughs> failing. But look, they kill cause, they finish. Mm. Instead of focusing on being a proper KPMG guys, they do podcasts. What nonsense is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, can, I, can I challenge you? Can I challenge you, H? <laughs> can I challenge you just to add on GT's point? Because I think I know this is one of those things We've spoken at length about and we've never got to a satisfactory conclusion about it. Yeah. Wouldn't you argue there are also different starting points? Okay, here I am. I want, I'm going to Lebohoma. I'm going to start a, 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 a small onion or something, something, where people are not even employed. Someone could say, a mall, yes, it's pick and pay and, and, and Mr. Price and McDonald's there. But as a good starting point, at least people have some purchasing power now. I've got people working, people yeah. in, in the community that the, the mall is built, that are working in that mall. Mm. When I come and I want to start my own, I don't know, a tapaway business, mm. I know that people who live there can at least, more of them can afford can afford tapaway yeah. now, because at least some of them have got jobs. As opposed to, you know what, through this, big corporates or whatever who want to come and take over our communities. I'm going to go and start my own business of making bricks for people who want to build houses. But no one can afford to build a house to start with. If they're not working. If they're not working. So will, so, so, so to me, I don't want to call it an egg and, egg and chicken situation, but there is something about it where we need a, we need a starting point that works. Hmm. It's, it's good to say I want to go back to my I studied agriculture at, mm. at first, I'm going to go back to my community in Tabancho. I want to start a farm. Mm. But no one, is even, no one can even afford my, 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 my butternut because so, no one works in that community. So that's something in the entrepreneurship startup space where I now operate. We, I like to call it customer development. Because we, yeah. in Africa, you're going to need to develop the customers as well. They are not adequately prepared to buy whatever you are selling. Because they are just locked out of the system in terms of man. While I agree with that, what you are saying, I want that to form part of the initial plan 
to develop, not just an afterthought of I at least want to buy employed now, which seems to be how these more sort of like come up. There's no deliberate action to actually say we need them to be employed so that we can get the money to pay. That's not a, it's not, there's no, there's no intentionality about how it is done. And I think you remember Blessing used to say, don't do things on purpose, do them in, with intention. No, don't do things deliberately, do them on purpose. Purpose, yes. And I don't think we're doing this on purpose at all. It's, and the thing is, when it's not on purpose, the decisions these people will do with their money, where they should be using it to now come by from GT's bricks, is that now the cycle becomes, ah, I've got money. That money is going to be wasted back into 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 Ackerman, who's going because I don't understand. If you're in the middle of an agriculture-rich place like Limpopo, mm. I'm not I'm not convinced you need it like that. But they've yeah, defined but... ways of shopping for food, ne? That for some odd reason we don't think can be replicated by a production and distribution center. In the middle of Chiramba in, 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 in Limpop. That's where my problem is. Even if you're saying, let's get some of this money, it's not intentional enough. And of course, there's the financialization of our society where everything now is becoming about finance. So it's easy to make people pay even more from the little that they have. Because that should include, if you are really saying they must get money, you should now be interested in how these guys transport themselves, right? A small place like Gauteng is probably the most difficult place to navigate. It's like this small, but there's no way you can move around it at once with like one transport. I know a guy who moved from Rodiport to Pretoria. He took an Uber to the Gau train station. Went to the Gau train station, uh, needed to take the, the bus from a, a bus station, the Gau train bus, to go to the train. Got to the train went to Pretoria. When he got to Pretoria, went out of the train, took a taxi, went to Centurion. What kind of society is this? Well, at that time, side bears already changed their mind. You know. I don't come yeah. anymore. We've <laughs> 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 been on the road since 8 a.m. It's, it's 1 like, p.m. now. <laughs> and then you, because you don't want side bay to leave, you now have to purchase a car. Now your financial decisions are determined for you. That's true. And now you're paying a car that Audi A3 is nice, but it's chowing you, <laughs> chowing your pocket. What Dealing you with you, gonna, my man. Yeah. When are you going to have time to think about a, a brick center in a the brick, middle of a brick laying business? It's difficult. You're not going to have it. So your decisions are taken for you. But the national consciousness that Fanon calls for is that it's not that these things you can't have. It's that when you have them, you use them on purpose. You deliberately sort of like create a society. So one thing that he like to say is that you can't just have soccer players, for example. You must have conscious men or women in this case. Conscious men or women who Gender. also play games. Do you get what I'm saying? So they must be conscious of their societies. Not just a Tembinkosi Lodge who's got no idea what is happening. I don't know what I can talk to Tembinkosi about this country. Other than the song that, so this is what he's calling you. Natasha, the day, whose name, Chuck? Yeah, yeah. I'm Natasha, my boy. Who's who does who does? Okay, given that it doesn't exist, this national consciousness that who does that responsibility lie with then? Because clearly, 
doesn't lie with Malusi Kikaba and Sivramaphosa. Clearly doesn't lie with Tabinkosi Lodge. Clearly doesn't lie with university graduates. Exactly. Clearly doesn't lie with community leaders. Who, who's, who, whose responsibility is it then? Yeah. Who do we look at to say, I'm trying to, I wonder if you could take over, then that's why we need you or we need this group of you to, to, to be responsible for this, yeah. for this national conversation. What you would need is the guy who wants to step into like a Sil Ramaphosa role, where okay. you can galvanize a country. Because you can. Like yeah, you think about the Sanzalats. Who are you talking about in particular? Yeah. Hey, it's tough to say. So that 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 just shows how low we are in terms of we can't even link up with people. But maybe people will rise from the community leaders, much like Biko and them rise in the middle of an apartheid system. But you need individuals, I think, someone to speak up, someone to start organizing at a small scale and start scaling it up. But mm. where it works the best is when you've got a leader up front at the top. Mm. who's going to be organizing it to themselves. So what I like in terms of development is someone like Julius Nyerere in Tanzania, right? He became the president. And in the midst of trying to create a national consciousness, what he did is that everyone must speak the same language. Mm. So Swahili became the language of the country in Tanzania. And Tanzania was a joining of forces between Tanganyika and Zanzibar, right? Then they joined why was it to become... Why, why do you think that's important? So in his assessment, it was going to create a sense of understanding amongst the people in a language that was indigenous. So it would locate them back to themselves. Yeah. Because whatever English we are speaking is not necessarily linking us back level ma. I don't think it is. It's mm-hmm. sort of like dividing us even further. It's, it's creating mm-hmm. even more breakaways where but the grandchildren... Because, because where the grandchildren come to the grandmother. Without English, I wouldn't be friends with you, Mchan. You know that. No, but what I'm saying is that it's breaking, for example, the grandchild with the grandmother. Yeah. And you are losing but at the same lot, time, But okay. at the same time, it's linking me with a friend I would have never had in KZN. But in yeah. a way that takes you away from yourself, if you get what I'm saying, from an indigenous sense of self, because English doesn't emanate. I even think Africans would probably have been a, a closer link between us because it emanates here, if you get what I'm saying. So it's it's that kind of thing. So the language policy helps. So when you go to Tanzania, everybody speaks this one language and everybody sort of like understands what everybody is saying. And there isn't this tense thing that you would get even you going to shop right or a taxi rank about which language to utilize because not even Swana is sufficient for you to just take that transport that you need to pick up at 8 a.m. So you are creating more divisions in that society. But also your child cannot speak to your grand, to, to your mother. Because there's a language barrier, he doesn't understand. You are losing a lot of uh, institutional memory, so to speak, right? Yeah. Uh, I've told you this example of this grandchild whose grandmother was a vendor writer. Oh, he doesn't read vendor. I don't know how much you are losing in that in that time space, and that's just one generation. So I yeah. think the language thing helps to also merge. Yeah, okay, I also, agree with it. It was honestly a devil's advocate question. Yes. So the starting point, he, he, he starts with the language. He starts with the language. Yeah. It connects the people in a way that they wouldn't be connected before. It creates a sense of feeling and oneness in a way that you can't have it in other way. And South Africa is not deliberate about it. Like take estates, for example, right? 
estates bother me a lot. I stay in one now, but it's just a matter of so it wasn't up to me. But what estates do, right, is that you are forced to sort of like cut out people you don't want inside by definition of the setup. You can't join forces. But at the same time, what you do is that you create long walls in there. And there's no estate in this country that has like a bus or a taxi stop outside of it. All of them, the idea is that everybody inside is driving out. Yeah, but everybody's gates, yeah. there are boom gates. And everybody's driving out in their own cars. So South Africans have got no place where they interact publicly. Other than maybe the, the Rugby World Cup, I don't know. But we don't interact publicly. You don't meet a random white guy in a, in a, in a bus. That's transporting all of us to one place. In a take. Now you, you I saw someone, I saw someone say, so did, I saw someone say they've never seen a white person at Mr. Price. <laughs> Mr. Price. <laughs> that is insane. I, I totally disagree with that. I see them all the time. That is their shop. You see them all the time. No, but because you're in Cape Town, Tana. You see them all the time everywhere. <laughs> you, but that so that's is their not shop. A, you're a bad example. You're a bad example. <laughs> You know, what I've actually observed with them is that, you know, they don't like spending much, you know. Um, it, it's more about, you know, the currency and, you know, not spending too much money, especially on clothing, beer, yeah. and whatnot. So they make sure that, you know, at least spend a small amount of money on Can I say, I don't know, man, Um, because that's where I get comfortable. In the past, you've suggested this as one of the... What is a good example of how to achieve what you're talking about? To say, okay, uh, most of people in rural areas and townships live off the social grants, right? I remember you saying, imagine instead of, let's say, 1,500 social grants, we say, out of that 1,500, the 500, you, it's a voucher for you to spend at a local farm rather than to buy a shop, right? Uh, you'll tell me from... I'm butchering what you said in the past age. Yeah. And then, I don't know, the thousand, then you can go buy electricity and whatever you have to do. My problem is, if ideas that are in the, national, uh, in the, in the national consciousness that you're talking about are good enough as they are, do we need to put, because, uh, uh, what's the Tanzania's uh, president's name again? Julius um, Nyerere. He, I don't like when, because I don't know, something about me is there's something human nature about resentment to someone who forces you to do something you didn't voluntarily do yourself. Where, yes, there's this good idea, I can sell the idea, but it should leave it to you to say, guys, we have a, a, an app or we have a list of farms in this town that you guys can decide on your own to go and support with your uh, with your social grant money rather than mandating it as a, some kind of a policy or national requirement to say you have to spend half of your sasa money on local businesses for example there's something about that doesn't feel like it's not, it feels like it's not consciousness anymore but compliance now like okay i have to do what i have to do before you know it people are exchanging vouchers with whatever on the back streets so that they can spend the rest of their money at ShopRite because ish, this government doesn't want them to buy all things from ShopRite. They, they, they have to go to that farm down the road 
of a neighbor who they probably don't even get along with. So I, I don't. I am all for that idea and agree with it. I've, I've said to you in the past, and I'm out for understanding how it works. And I'm, I'm, how can I say? I'm willing to be the one who I don't know sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice for it to be implemented. And until I, I know the mechanics of it, but the mechanics of mandating things like everyone needs to speak the same language. I'm not for that because if it's going to be consciousness, there's something very individual about consciousness that it has to be you individually who sees the importance and the significance of what you have to do. When I go and buy spinach at a local farm rather than shop, it needs to be something that I understand what I'm trying to achieve rather than sure. something that I'm mandated to do. Sure. So it's it's easy to say, right? Um, and I mean, it's free market thinking, liberal thinking that people have got choice. They will make the choice, the best yeah. choice that they can make. I mean, it's standard. It's fair. I and think it makes sense. Best ideas right? win. Me, the me best ideas win. If it's a good idea, it will it will convince people enough. Yeah. But the truth is, you are coming out of a very deliberate sort of like society that sort of like managed people's thinking, right? So when you open them up to free market thoughts and whatever is the best idea, they've already been faraged with a sense of what is the best idea, right? What, like, I mean, you mentioned it earlier about the quality of, of GT's paint. It sounds like a joke, right? But it is a true feeling that we might have about GT providing us with bricks and paint my house might fall. Not because he's not providing the quality we think it is essential, but because we also come from a thinking where I, the best ideas suggest that GT is not providing the best quality possible. Can I, can I interrupt you? Time, sorry, Michana, sorry, sorry. Can I interrupt you? Then you can just squeeze it in, in the next point you're going to make. Trial and tested is, a, is, is not a bad argument. Even if it was two GT standing here, I'd prefer one more experience than over the other one. And unfortunately, unfortunately for the history of this country, the trial and tested are these established corporations who will tell you they've been around since 1905. They've been supplying South African homes since 1976. Unfortunately, that's, and it's not a bad heuristic, let's be honest. We all apply it. I choose an experienced supplier, an experienced employee, an experienced doctor over an inexperienced one. So it's not crazy for someone to, it's not, yes, you could argue about how we were colonized and our minds were polluted against hating ourselves and, and when yeah. I see someone who's also black like me, I, I doubt their skills. But it's also not crazy to, I, I don't know, there's this famous story of Mandela when he first got into a plane or something, where he even himself was, was scared because there was a black pilot in the, in the plane. It's not, it's not crazy to think like that because if you've never seen a black pilot before, you're like, where did this nigga learn how to fly a flight? You know what I mean? It's not crazy to, to think like that. So, yes, I agree with you, but I say it's an unfortunate reality of how, I guess, the human nature and the consumer mindset in terms of, I want that which is trial and tested. When I go buy Ultramel, I'm not worried that I might not find what I'm expecting. But if GT comes and he's produced this new version of custard, homemade from ground, whatever, in, in Hamashashan, and he's just trying out in the market, hey, I might but, not be so comfortable. So it's not, it's thing, not right? just, yes, it's unfortunate that it so happens that as a factor of our past, 
it's, it's the, this this line is drawn along the racial lines, but it's not crazy to say even if there were two. Oh no, it's not. Yes, but my yes. problem is that when we now move into this free market of no, just the trial and tested should make it through. Yes. Essentially, what we are doing is assuming that society starts here, where we just want the best things possible. Human beings want the best things possible. But if yeah. you read the history of other countries, right, how Louis Vuitton ends up as what it is, there's a closing in the French market of, no, we want to push this brand out into the world. We are going to elevate it far beyond the normal lines of uh, people will decide. You sort of like organize and find ways to make sure that it finds expression, it pulls through into the, 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 the systems and societies. People go out of their way to, to organize societies like that. That's how the things that when we no, are but I, now, I, I, I honestly bet to differ with that, H, because... Um, wait, answer this when you answer. Because those societies, right, are big, not because they're just simply the best, when they started, there was an organization for them to become where they are. So I'm not saying we should organize everything. I agree. The trial and tested will, should, should, should win. But the market is not fair. And we can't act like those who we are seeing now as yeah. the top. We just, just made it there because Bona, they were just the best. There's no, it's not how. No, of course. They, 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 were, they were not, they were, they were not, they were not the best. I mean, and you know that Tommy Hilfiger is actually still alive. But how he also penetrated the entire market from literally everything when it comes to clothing, underwear, perfumes, watches, and all all host of all host of stuff. The question is how how do you how do you then get you you know to that level where you have um you are literally a dominant uh, you, you know um one man provider of all these products as one person. I could think I cannot think of even one black person who's at that level. You know, not even in South Africa. The only you know, in recent ones that we're seeing now, it's the the few gens that are in the sneaker market and the Matosa guy who's, you know, literally also kind of trying to make it. But would this make it beyond this particular generation? I feel like those, these few brands, they're actually being supported and um, they have got a lot of support either from government or they've got a lot of support from, I don't know who's funding their businesses, but they are not different from any other guys who have tried sneaker business, you know, to be at the level that they are at right now. You go, I was in Jovek when, early March, driving through M1, this Sneaker, what's what's the name? Is it Batu or Batu, yeah. yeah, yeah. Batu sneakers, they're literally on those M1 whatnot. You drive into something, it's the same situation, and you're asking yourself, like, how much they have to pay for this advert? Is it just them doing this thing? They're having a whole host of you know, um, shops. I saw them in Canal Walk here as well. They're having, um, you know, yeah, their own store of this, yeah, uh, of so this yeah. sneakers here as well. So I'm like, in no way. Would he have done that alone? Chap, it's a great success for a black guy, but is it really him alone there or there's other agencies that are involved in the supporting of the growth of this business? Because the realization is there are no black 
you know, successful business people who are doing the chain of distance and they're everywhere. It's all white people everywhere in the market. Sure. Sure. Maybe he is. Let's let's assume he is alone. Mm. That's a very good achievement. That's true. But the question would be the value chain that mm. puts him at the top is mm. not going to be mm. where GT... That's where I want GT to be playing. Yeah. Inside that value chain. Not sure. just being employed, yeah. but being the interior designer of yeah. of of the Batu shop, if there's yeah. an interior designer, to yeah. be taken into that level. That's what mm. I'm saying. So I'm not saying you can control the market. Yeah. Human behavior is probably one of the most difficult things to predict. I don't even think artificial intelligence will take us into a point where we can predict human behavior. Human behavior is difficult to control. Someone yeah. will always say no. And they've got very distinct features themselves as individuals. So I, I, I am definitely on point with that. But yeah. I'm saying the assumption cannot be that outcomes can just be, outcomes just happen in mm. the midst of a historical fact. Yeah. So one of the unclipped episodes is Matt Prosser actually explaining his story mm-hmm. and how he took seriously the importance of creating a manufacturing plant mm-hmm. using the wool of Port Elizabeth, where he's from. Mm. It's either Port Elizabeth or East London, one of the two. Yeah. But then he explained that South Africa is the number one exporter of wool, mm. if not number two in the world. Yeah. But he didn't know this. As a citizen of Port Elizabeth or East London, mm. when he started suing, it was only when he had gone so far away from home that he could see that. And they such now saying, okay, I also want a manufacturing plant. So he's trying a lot to build everything from the ground up. So mm. my thing is, there's another Magriza there in East London or Port Elizabeth, wherever this wool production is, who mm-hmm. should be entering the market as well in that small circuit. Well, there's someone who makes money by providing chicken licken with elastics. That's where I want people to be, inside yeah. that value chain. Yeah. Not simply just do the chicken licken, but open the doors for me to do the interior design of Nando's. That's what sure. I'm asking. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's how you develop a society, by enabling people to step into these spaces. You can't necessarily control the best or the worst, but the truth is, the free market ideas uh, are going to be difficult to just allow Matosa to rise simply because there's a lot of uh, fragmentation of information. There's not enough opportunities opened up to all of us. But if you are deliberate or you are doing your development on purpose, then Batu can be... You be entrepreneur or government. Government that looks at the entrepreneur but also the ecosystem that supports the entrepreneurs, because Giti was saying there must be an ecosystem that's supporting like a drip or a part. That ecosystem should also be just as a way. That's the one I was going to go into. Yeah, so I was saying, because that's where I found you guys on BAT, I was like, oh, that's a very good example, which you also acknowledge it, to say no one had to force BAT into black people to like it as a brand. Yeah. People just liked it because it's a good product, uh, or, or it's a product that speaks to them, whichever way you want to look at. And and I think but no, but also uh, I th- I think you, you know before I allow you to respond there, it wasn't just because people got to like it, but mm-hmm. you had a, a, a very serious marketing team. Um, it was brought into this DNA brand architect thing that was also brought up by 
by by somebody else. It wasn't just because of uh, of 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 people liking it in China. It was the the parties that came into that brand. They made it what it is. You know, having people to talk about the brand for quite some times obviously then makes people, you know, be interested in it. And the more you see a number of people wearing it, the more you also want to be part of the chain. Sure. So it was it was more of a marketing thing other than just people really liking what it what it's doing. What I was saying to H earlier on it was a, a thing of you know it's 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 a brilliant brand, right? It's it's great that it's now out there, and we are happy that you know a black guy is at the forefront of it. But is he really the only person that is uh, involved into this entire thing, or is he, he you know, was it overtaxed? But again, but what is it when somebody comes in front of you and then oh, they're about overtake you? Overtake, yeah, yeah. So then by 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 either white people or whoever, you know, to to then now take it to the next level. Because it's it's growing. You go everywhere. They are on these highways, they are everywhere, mm. right? Billboards, yeah. They are on so, the billboards. So, so, but then but that's still a, but that that's not but that doesn't contradict the free market argument. Yeah, I was I was not aware of those facts. Yeah. But it still goes into I'm an entrepreneur, I look at what Will make my brand penetrate the market. Sure, yeah. Does it's not? Yes, maybe I made it sound like just easily people like it and they buy it. Yeah, yeah. There's sure. deliberate effort, as H likes to call it, behind the scene mm. to say, okay, guys, what's our strength? Mm. We are we 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 live in these black communities and we understand the black culture better than any other mm. international corporation that can come and sell them any product. How do we leverage on that? So it's still, that consciousness should still just run inside the ecosystem players. Those yeah. ones who go to yes. the marketers. Yes. But it's tough to then make this consciousness work when there's deliberate forces against it. Because yeah. trust me, we really, if there's something that South Africans need to understand, is to learn from the Francophone countries and how they've been throttled in terms of thinking by the French government, in terms of just owning pieces of their own land. Mm. These guys sell citizenships to France as a Mm. function of taking out some of the best quality people, whether it's soccer players, people who are talented, to move to France. It tells you of, when you are in the world, you're at war. Epistemological wars at that. I'm just saying we also need to accept that we are at war. And yeah. fight like people who are at war. Mm. That's true. We don't operate like that. We tend to borrow the free market thinking that, ah, whatever is best wins, while we are not deliberately doing anything that sort of like stands in front of the forces that are coming in front of us. That's what tends to happen. And we are like, ah, but that's the best one out there. For example, right, you've got children. There's no real work to provide your child with uh, sutu books. Mm. Your child is going to listen to Coco Melon and you are going to sit there and say, but that's the only thing that's available. Mm. And we know that's what's going to happen. And act like Coco Melon is just the best thing out there, as if they can't be pseudo-riven, sort of like animations that can be taught to the child. That's where I'm coming at. So you would yes, need and that, and that's you to agree. That point to agree push yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. But if you just sit here and say, what is the best? And then GT mm-hmm. comes out with 2D animations 
and you are like, oh, my child can't watch 2D animations, even if though they are in Soto, they are going back to Kokomo. But now, I know you have any conspiracies about this load shading. I think that's a good point, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think is going on with the load shading? Do you think there's something going on where they're trying to destroy ESCOM so that they can sell it to the private? I think I think that's what um, uh, Julius Malema was made, uh, saying in the past week, to say that uh, they're deliberately destroying ESCOM with this whole thing, just to ensure that the friends of government... Um, are able to then have a bit of an upper hand in trying to, you, you know, um, privatizing this. Yeah, privatize it and 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 you know make it their own business. So I, I can you believe I, him? I, I actually got attacked by by that, and I feel like it is it is quite deliberate because, bruh, load shedding is a national disaster. But and, but wait, because because there are people who who have an argument about which is not a crazy argument. Yeah. ESCOM, when it was built, or the electricity supplies across the country, when they were built at the time, they were built for white people, which were a very small population of the country. Sure. And when they, uh, the new government came, the NC government came, they didn't up, not upgrade. First, they didn't maintain them. Secondly, they didn't expand them enough to now cover the broader country, which is outside just the cities and then the, you know, the white areas, because, so, their capacity, so because that's how they explain load chase is literally giving yeah. some break to the capacity of ESCOM to produce electricity. And if you are going, if you are, you are generating electricity for 10 million people and now you have to produce for 50 million people, of course, of course, it's going to put a strain yeah, on your okay. production, especially if you're not maintaining your infrastructure. Okay, so, so, why, why so, don't why you think not, that's why there? Don't, not, why don't you think it's the incompetence rather than the corruption or the, the malicious intentions of? Of anyone else out there, because okay, okay, this has been happening for the past twenty years. Yeah, right. So in the past twenty years, you couldn't think of any other alternative measures, knowing very well that this is this. There are a lot of alternative the, things. There are a lot of alternatives ANC didn't think of, Mchan. Yeah, but you know, if, if now because this is this 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 current one right now, it's yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate one that has been an issue. You, they couldn't do anything about it in 2005. It is 2022. It's about 15 years down the line. Maybe they're just incompetent. Is that possible? Yeah, they're incompetent. So so what's the plan? If right now we were to, we are to ask Pravin Godan or whoever or whoever is the minister within this... Yeah, I the, think it's the, Pravin the, Godan, the minister of, of public enterprises. Public yeah. enterprises. What yeah. do we then now do? Okay, now you have my thinking. Yeah. I'm not saying the argument is impossible, ne? Sure. What I'm saying is, I don't think they will deliver it. I don't think NC can... NC cannot even pay their own employees in China. <laughs> and I'm not disputing all of that. Yes. I don't I'm think saying... they went out of their way to destroy ESCOM. Uh, I think they don't know how to run anything. And they haven't gotten any suggestions since yeah, then. Yes, and the other point, they're like, you know what? Okay, here's an opportunity. If, if that's true, like I said... What he's mm. saying is not impossible. And they were like, okay, how about then we sell it to, to pri- private mm. um, ownership? But I don't think it's because they, they could have, but they didn't. I now, think they're just, now we I think they're just thing. not capable. Na, 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 at this point in time, gori, and they know very well what they're doing, especially, I don't with, think they know what they're especially doing. with ESCO. 
Yes, I take your point with regards yeah. to you know they might not know what they're doing. That's 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 for sure. I think but even if they desperately wanted to not mm. fuck up Escom, I think they would still. So if if listen to this, if ever you don't know or uh, you know what to do with the situation, what do you then now do? Actually, they used to calling consultants for everything for advices and what. Yeah, they, what do they, they, not they called Mackenzie. They called Mackenzie. Yeah. Uh, why do they not bring them on board so that at least they can deal with these issues? Because if ever they don't know, they don't have any solution, they can go outside. But it's also what they, there's this word people overuse is the, the political, what do you call it? Political what? Political um, will. Yeah, political will is the word. Yeah. If all I am trying to do is just get some money while I'm still at the trough and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Why would I care about implementing McKenzie's suggestions that are going to require me to make less profit, that are going to require me to, to employ someone who's actually credible to go and yeah. uh, maintain the infrastructures at ESCOM rather than my friend? Because one of my favorite things, I think it has become one of my favorite things, and it, it yeah. kind of makes me very doubtful of a lot of conspiracy theories that people have in terms of what yeah. gov- why government does things. Yeah. It says, do not attribute to malice what can be explained by incompetence. Yeah. If someone is incompetent and they're yeah. evil at the same time, chances yeah. are, if they fuck up, it's because of their incompetence, not because sure. of their malice. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if you're closing the marks there. Jara, um, this, is, this was our launch, and we just... Uh, yeah, I don't think it was bad. Do you think it was... I think I'm no, 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 no. I think I it is...